Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. In today's parable, or not parable, story, lesson that Jesus gives us, he's in the middle of a longer discourse, the Sermon on the Mount, and the people are uh, enraptured with what he's saying. But some of the things he's saying are difficult for them to hear. This particular lesson, he knows, is going to be one of the more difficult ones for people to hear. And commenting on uh, this passage, St. John Chrysostom notes that people of his day um, actually stoop so low as to say, Uh, Jesus was wrong on this one, because what he enjoins on us in this just makes no sense. How can we live by it? So what is Jesus telling us? He starts off gently and generally by saying, you can't serve two masters, right? It's a general statement. If we think about it, kind of makes sense. Either you're going to love this one master and despise or start ignoring, devaluing the other, or you're going to pick the other one and devalue the first. And so this is a lesson that is uh, generally accepted. We can all understand what he means. And then he says, but what I'm talking about is God and mammon. These are the two masters specifically that you can't serve at the same time. What does mammon mean? It's a Hebraism uh, meaning essentially riches, gain, uh, overabundance. So you can't be devoted to that. Now money or mammon, excessive money, this isn't a true master in itself by virtue of itself. It doesn't give us orders. Money doesn't tell us what to do. But it's, it becomes a master by virtue of the depravity of those that serve it, by those who uh, become so addicted to what uh, riches and gain and uh, mammon can make them feel like that they begin serving it, even though this isn't a true master. It is, however, something very worldly. It's a concern of this world, this time and place. And we know that from the perspective of heaven, riches, gain, money here means nothing. So this is a very worldly thing. And there is a master or ruler of this world. Jesus calls him that in John 12, 31, calls him the ruler of this world. And later in Ephesians, St. Paul calls him the prince of the powers of the air. We're talking about the devil here. And I think it's uh, shocking when you start studying St. Paul, especially in his context, what he's often talking about, just how frequently he's actually concerned about the spiritual powers in this world and how what Jesus did in his life and death and resurrection has overthrown the authority of those powers. Paul actually is really concerned about um, the, the angelic, the rebellious angelic forces in this world. And it's, it's notable that today is also the commemoration of all of the holy guardian angels, uh, which we as Orthodox Christians believe God assigns to each of us at our birth to go with us throughout our lives and to help us on our way. And so, Uh, the ruler of the world, the real master of this world, of whom in his historic dominion, the desire for riches is one of, you know, kind of the biggies. Um, God 
is one master and riches as part of the domain of the devil is another one. And we cannot serve both of those things. I think we don't think of uh, gaining riches as serving the devil, you know, but honestly, that's what we are doing if we are too devoted to the things of this world of which the devil has decided to make his little kingdom. But Jesus has dealt with the devil, make no mistake about it. In, in that same verse in John chapter 12, Jesus says that by being lifted up into the air, now is the judgment of the world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, that is into the air, where the powers of the devil uh, has his authority, I will draw all people to myself. So Jesus, in this Sermon on the Mount passage, is already beginning to draw all people to himself. And on the cross, with him literally lifted in the air for us all to see and to follow, we too can be lifted up with him above the worldly cares to the heavenly, to the paradisal, to paradise, where we read in Genesis Humans once had what's sometimes called in theological circles original justice or righteousness. You see justice and righteousness in the scriptures. A lot of times these are actually synonymous. What it means is that we are justified. You know, when uh, you're in a Word document and you uh, want to get all the words, all the letters, paragraphs starting in the same you know, place so they're not in different, uh, you know, tabbed over too far, that means they're all justified. That means they're lined up straight the way they should be, the way things ought to be. That's what justice means. And righteousness as a synonym means the same thing. And this we see in the gospel passage today is the punchline. This is what Jesus leads us to. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So knowing already, obviously, since we heard it proclaimed, uh, what the lesson is all leading up to, this is, uh, I think, what we should have in our minds as we go back and consider what Jesus says to us in not uh, worrying about food, not worrying about clothes. Because attaining the kingdom of God and righteousness, that is our intended nature. Now, he points out the nature of other things in this passage. He points out that it's the nature of birds to be easily fed on small things scattered all over the ground. Birds just pop out of the egg. Uh, once they learn to fly, they start pecking at everything. And most of what they peck at, they can eat. So it's just the nature of birds to fly around and eat things. They're easily fed. It's the nature of the grass of the field to be arrayed in beautiful colors. They don't really have to do anything to do that. And he pointed out that Solomon, in all of his splendor, who we heard about in uh, the uh, passage this morning in morning prayer, he didn't have the glory of the flowers. Why is that? It's because it's not the nature of Solomon to just sprout beautiful colors, right? He had, to, he had to go find clothes or have clothes brought to him and then put them on. So Solomon could never have been arrayed like the flowers because that wasn't Solomon's nature. It is, however, our nature as human beings to have a deliberative will to choose better things before less good things, to put first things first and second things second. But our nature has been marred. Again, from Genesis, we know what happened to our first parents and the 
the fall of their nature, and we inherited that same nature from them. So our ability to uh, be deliberative correctly, that deliberative will of ours is injured. And that's why we're all here in this hospital today, to be healed of that, to uh, have our treatment continued so that we can be better, so our nature can be uh, bolstered and, and made more whole. So our nature is to have this will, but what is the goal of our nature? What's the point of our nature? See, with birds and flowers, their nature and their telos, their end, their purpose of existing is all one and the same. The nature of birds is to fly around and eat stuff, and that's also their end. That's their whole purpose. <laughs> the nature of flowers is to sprout and uh, be pretty and take in sunlight and you know pollinate and blah, blah, blah. But that's also their entire purpose. So in, in the smaller things beneath us in this world, in the rest of creation, we see that nature and purpose go together, nature and telos. But in human beings, our nature and our telos have been broken up a little bit. So we know that our nature is to be able to think and act and do things according to reason. But our purpose is more than that. Our purpose is to be united with God. Now, ideally, our nature would be to choose God and be united with him. But because our nature is now marred, often we don't choose God. And so we do things that go against our intended purpose, the reason we're created in the first place. So the willful practice of self-denial can help us with that. It can help to heal that broken uh, nature, the, the times where we want to choose things that aren't good, or at least are good in and of themselves, but aren't our goal and our purpose. Willful self-denial, asceticism, these are things that we practice in the Orthodox life, in this church, and as a community, all so that we can seek the kingdom of God. And seeking the kingdom of God is finding the kingdom of God. If you came here in search of the kingdom of God this morning, then you will find it. You will hear it proclaimed to you. You will see it lifted up in the sacrament. And if you're a member of this church, you will partake of it. And it will be inside you. As Christ said, to seek is to find. To knock is to have the door opened. And so the practice of seeking is going to work. It's, it's going to be a lifelong process, but it works. That's why we keep coming. Even if it doesn't always feel like it, we know that God is transforming our hearts whenever we put our hearts in front of him. So, that purifies as we find the kingdom of God, as we taste and see that he is good. That actually purifies our wills. At least it lets us taste a little bit of our end, our telos, and it helps to heal our nature. We actually have examples of people whose nature was so completely um, transformed and healed that they, they completely let go of the cares of food and clothing even starting back with the Old Testament, we see Elijah um, out in the desert, you know, fasting, not caring at all about clothing or food, and, and God taking care of him regardless, funny enough, with a bird. We have Ezekiel uh, fasting and lying on his side just because God told him to in order to demonstrate uh, in a, a sort of lived out uh, picture form 
uh, the way Israel was treating God. John the Baptist lived in the desert, uh, clothed with hardly anything and eating just whatever was around. St. Paul was completely content to, to have nothing at all. Ascetics and monastics from the age of the church, like St. Anthony and St. Benedict. I mean, we can multiply the examples, but we're not all called to that particular expression of this lesson. We are all called, however, to the essentials of this lesson. Don't care about sustenance or clothing, certainly not gain or status. Care about the eternal, about the telos, about the purpose. What are we made for? We're made to be united with God. And if that is what our cares and thoughts and days are committed to every day, then we will advance, potentially to the point where we could be numbered among Elijah and St. Anthony in the desert and Benedict. Potentially. Not necessarily, but potentially. But one day, for certain, we all will expire. (laughs) Jesus makes a point to say that there is a span of our life and that that's it. And none of us can do anything to expand it beyond what God has destined for us. Diet and exercise, that's great. We have data that suggests these things extend our life. But honestly, you know, (laughs) that's just taking care of what God has already given us, this body. None of us can truly do anything to really extend our life. We could diet and exercise all day. We could be the picture of health and get hit by a bus in the street. The point is, our life is in God's hands. And so worrying about the length of our life is really a fruitless exercise. Worrying about the quality of our life, however, putting our life in the hands of God, this is what we are uh, being called to today. And if we do that, then as Jesus assures us in the end, all of those things will be added to us. God will take care of us. God knew that Elijah needed a meal in the desert, and so a raven brought him a piece of bread. You know, God knew uh, about the the needs of all of these uh, shining examples of asceticism out there uh, in, in our church calendar that we celebrate with their own feast days and took care of them. And the legacy of none of them is that they didn't eat a lot or they were, you know, rough clothing. Their legacy, the reason they have feast days in the church is because they sought the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that is what makes them saints. And that's what we're called to. So as we come seeking the kingdom of God this morning and turn our hearts and our minds to the altar and with the offertory, put ourselves on the, offer, uh, on the altar offering to God, he will then feed us. And as the communion verse that we will hear in a little while, says what he feeds us with is his very flesh, his very life, so that our souls and our bodies can be united with the body and soul of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.